Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, wonderful human being. It's great to be with you again. I hope that you are doing tremendous today. We have another amazing podcast for you. This one, we got Colin Turner, and we're going to talk about the Free World Charter, 10 Principles for Abundance and Fairness for All. Seems to make sense. Uh, um, I think everybody who listens to this is probably down with that. Um, so we talk about the Free World Charter. We talk about what uh, honor pay is. We talk about uh, a transition into a moneyless society. We talk about the three big things we can do to change the world, the importance of group learning, why we should uh, limit media and television, the most important thing we can do to help create change. Um, this is an awesome episode. It's it's really epic. I invite you guys to go over to the Free World uh, the free worlder and sign the charter. It's really cool. Um, it makes sense. And we kind of go really deep here. So it's an epic episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. Thank you guys so much. You've been supporting the show. Leaving a review is the easiest thing you can do. Uh, this one is by Sarah Sutto and it says, Matt talks about out there concepts in an accessible down to earth way. I've learned so much from listening to this podcast and loves Matt's authentic and genuine energy. Highly recommend. And the title of it is expand your mind. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate that. You can also support on Patreon, my homie, Johnny Ronka from love on revolution. Check out that website and what he's doing. Uh, beautiful son of gun has uh, supported my work. So thank you so much, brother. I appreciate that. And for you guys, if you want to support the show, the easiest thing as well that you can do that doesn't cost you anything is to time code and timestamp um, and share your aha moments, share them on Instagram, share them with me on Facebook, and then I can make little videos of them. And if you've got skills and you know how to do a screen capture of the video and to highlight those clips, it's a really easy way for us to get those tidbits of information because I do realize an hour, an hour and a half is quite a bit of time for a lot of people. So if we can share those aha moment with, with our friends and then I can use them for you know sharing on social media that's a really great way to uh, get the message out. Um, check out my YouTube channel. I just released this video of my multidimensional enlightenment experience that I had at Envision. It is completely bonkers. Um, it was the gnarliest thing ever. Um, I might just take the audio from it and throw it throw it here as a solo podcast as well. But uh, check it over at Matt Belair's show on YouTube. So um, yeah, super nuts. Um, thanks so much to my sponsor, Purium. If you use bit.ly forward slash activate health, you can get a $50 gift card, which you can use for anything. They have CBD. They have the premium products in like cleansing, energy, sleep, immune system, rejuvenation, uh, biome medic. It, it helps take out, uh, 
the GMOs that's in the food. So in your in your basically your gut health. So gut health is really important. It's been coming up on the podcast a lot. So they're amazing. I appreciate them. For those of you guys who want coaching and you're really serious about leveling up, if you want to make a transition in your life, um, if you're looking for more and you're feeling unfulfilled, basically uh, I I really specialize in three types of people: people who are serious about you know taking their lives to the next level and making a transition, building the life that they want; people who are CEOs and things like that. They want you know more uh, performance, but also a, an improved mindset. So it's kind of like flow state at work, the, all that kind of thing. So it is peak performance and also fulfillment as well. And obviously athletes, I work with athletes as well. So, you know, if you really want to level up and you're needing some help in transition and you want to um, get some support, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and I will hook you up, sign up for the email list and do all that kind of stuff too, I guess. And um, yeah, let's just get into this episode. Um, it's it's epic. And before we do, I just invite you to um, come into a state of inner peace. And I want you to wish that upon all humanity because it's kind of like the theme of today anyway. So um, just stop whatever you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose, just setting the intention to come to peace and presence now, just for this moment. And let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking another deep breath in through your nose and really connect to powerful space of peace and presence and calm and I want you to just send that energy out to the people around you to your friends your family your co-workers and just let that breath out slowly with all the cares all the worries all the stresses of the day taking one more deep breath in through your nose holding that breath coming to a state of peace and calm now send that energy out as you breathe out and just wish peace Just imagine planetary peace, inner peace, kindness. Just see the world just completely peaceful. People being harmonious. People just supporting each other. What that would look like. Just send this love and support and peaceful energy to all beings on the planet. And just see that energy come back. Magnified. A hundred million fold. A trillion fold. And I'm sending you that energy to you. All my love and passion and, and peace and presence and Uh, support to you listening to this hoping all your hopes and dreams come true so there you go i think we're ready to get into this incredible episode with colin turner hello and welcome to another episode of the master mind body and spirit show i'm your host matt belair Today's guest is a Dublin-born writer, musician, and social activist. His ventures include the Free World Charter, a set of 10 guiding principles by which we could create a world of abundance and fairness for all. Free Worlder, a worldwide people-powered free-sharing site that encourages the giving and receiving of goods and services, and HonorPay, a site focused on encouraging appreciation and gratitude by awarding honors to others. He is also the author of F Day, The Second Dawn of Man, and Into the Open Economy. Welcome to the show, Colin Turner. What's up, brother? Hey, Matt. How are you doing, my friend? Um, Lovely to be on. Lovely to be on here. Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's good. We got connected by, I think, your, one of your staff, and I got to look at your work, and I'm excited to dive in because I, yep. I looked at uh, your charter is the first thing that she sent to me. I was like, this is amazing. I, you know, yeah. so good. So yeah. where do, where do we start? How do we, I'm going to learn about you as well as everybody else at the same time. So why right. don't you share us a little bit about your work and how you got to where you are today? 
Okay, perfect, yeah. Okay, uh, again, thanks a million for having me on. Yeah, I know it's all very last minute, but uh, I've, um, I've, I've no problem. I can talk about my work all day and all night. So it's no problem. Something obviously I'm very passionate about. Um, the Free World Charter, yeah, well, I suppose you'll have to go back a little bit before that. The Free World Charter was started in 2011. And uh, I think maybe like most people, um, or like many people, I should say, in 2008 was kind of like a, a waking up moment for a lot of people when we saw the, the banks failing. A lot of people started to ask uh, new questions that had never uh, been considered before, like uh, where does money come from and is it, is it, do we really need to use money and how does this thing work anyway? So a lot of people um, like myself were, were questioning those things. And uh, in, in, in my journey of questioning, I suppose, I was lucky at that time that I had I've been in a particular situation where I had just sold, I, was, I just sold a very successful business and I had a kind of quite a lot of money and quite a lot of time in my hands at that time. So I was able to kind of do quite a lot of research and investigation to these things. Which is not a, not a um, uh, non-trivial thing because a lot of people nowadays really are so busy with work and lives and that sort of stuff that they don't really have time to question many of the, the normals of, of, our, of our society. So I was very lucky in that regard. Um, so the Free World Charter came about, um, I, I came across a site called uh, The Venus Project, which I'm sure you know, and uh, the work of Jacques Fresco and um, Buckminster Fuller and a few other visionaries who were more or less proposing a society that actually didn't use money at all. And um, I was, while I was fascinated with these ideas, um, I was also kind of a little bit concerned that a lot of them were very um, technologically focused and that maybe not everyone really wants to, to be involved in a highly technological society. Uh, they seem to be kind of offering really one option that basically let's create a hugely cybernated automated society where the machines really do all our work for us. And um, well, I thought that was really exciting and fascinating, but I also was a bit concerned that um, maybe that wasn't exactly the whole, um, what really was everyone would, would prefer because a lot of people really actually uh, want a more simpler life, they actually prefer a simpler life rather than moving to a more uh, complicated technological life. So then my, my idea was that um, we could, between that and the zeitgeist movement, I said these guys have got a lot of really good ideas of how we could actually move beyond money. So I kind of said, well, let's try and let's try distill these ideas down into the, into the core components because it doesn't necessarily have to be highly technological. You know, for example, we could, if we wanted to, have a really basic, primitive um, society uh, without any technology that would also be successful and people could be happier. Obviously, not everyone wants that either. But the point is that my the idea with the charter was, well, let's actually distill these ideas into the core components in such a way that basically we create a principles for uh, optimally operating a society that um, that can operate without money, but not necessarily with technology or without, but that can actually um, serve everyone. So it's kind of like a, a set of pr uh, principles for an optimized society that uh, more or less that services everyone's needs. And of course, principles are uh, very, very important in that is, um, you know, uh, reprioritizing our, our basic approaches to life and our basic expectations. You know, whereas we um, we may spend a lot of energy, time and energy now on uh, religious interests or on, 
you know, consumerist interests now. We, we need to really deprioritize those and reprioritize life and really our, our shared common fortunes on this planet because really that is the most important thing, you know. Whatever you believe about God or, you know, wanting to uh, succeed in your career, whatever, I mean, the most important thing above all that must be all of life on this planet and our, of course, our shared fortunes on the planet. So, so that's, um, that's really where the, the, the ideas of the Charter was to basically to try and create the sort of guiding principles for the optimal society where they're not really, um, they're not like commandments or edicts, but it's just like, as long as we, as long as we stick with those principles, we're going to be doing well. And if we deviate from those, we're going to be causing an imbalance. And uh, so it's, you know, like a lot of things, life is about balance. You know, we have to do not too much, not too little of, uh, of, of things, you know, to really, to, in order to, to, uh, to prosper, you know, really, because that's what we're, we're, that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to, to prosper spiritually and, uh, of course, to, to feel well and to have our, uh, all the things that we need. So it's kind of a very long convoluted history of the, the free world charter, but, uh, for me, that's, um, something that has, it's, uh, something that I com completed in 2011 and it's gone through a couple of revisions since. Um, but, uh, it's got a huge amount of support from a lot of people, um, and especially quite from quite a lot of people who actually feel, as I do, that maybe um, a highly technological society is not necessarily the answer. Uh, I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm saying it's not necessarily the answer, and we should have the option to choose that. I would like to see a world where maybe people could live in like a Venus Project city if they chose, or people could live in a basic treehouse if they if they chose to do that either. You know, we we should we should have the options. Well, we, we will have the options anyway, but uh, that's why I, I wanted to frame the, the charter in that idea. So we're, we're not actually really supporting one thing or another, but just saying, let's, we just stick to some basic rules, then it should, should work out okay. That's amazing, brother. I appreciate, I appreciate the good share. I like to kind of sit back and, and absorb it all. It's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful intention, you know, and yeah. I'm grateful that when you sold your business, you started to look at the the problems of the world and i think a lot of people start there they look at the yeah. world and they see what's going on and they say well especially what they're sharing what what i'm receiving is is pretty challenging it looks like there's a lot of help that that is needed out there and so taking yeah. all of these different concepts and then starting to ground it out or what are these principles uh, i had david lombear uh Senapass, he was my last podcast i released he's a native elder and he yeah. i think it was him talked about atlantis he said Atlantis had these guidelines on a pillar in the middle of the city and this yeah. great huge pillar that everybody saw and was aware of. And it was just general guidelines, you know, and, and we can all kind of get on board. So maybe you can start off cause, and just share what the 10 are and see how people yeah. resonate with each of them and, and they can kind of yeah. start there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. It's not entirely a new idea, of course, to have it like this, um, these kind of founding principles for any sort of society. I think lots of, um, Lots of societies have done that. I mean, probably nearly all. And of course, it has been in, embodied in religion in many societies as well. You know, like, the, for example, the Ten Commandments in the Christian religion is kind of the, the same type of idea where you're trying to cr promote sort of best practices for operating society, you know. So, yeah, there's been plenty of, of stabs. That, of course, you have the, the Georgia Guidestones as well as something similar. But the, the, I'll give you a quick rundown through the principles. They're very short and they're very simple. 
and um, if anyone wants to check them out, they can go to freeworldcharter.org and have a look themselves. There's, each one is kind of given like a little short explanation as to why it's there and what it means. But so number one is the highest concern of humanity is the combined common good of all living species and biosphere. So this is really just uh, putting life or a shared existence really at the top of the of our priority ladder, you know, because it has to be there. Whatever you think about anything else, we have to we just, our physical reality demands that we put life and our shared portions together. And the second one is that life is precious in all its forms and free to flourish in the combined common good, which basically saying that more or less we share this planet with other species and they're free to, to flourish just as much as we are. And of course, a lot of people kind of say, well, okay, well, what about smallpox and what about uh, mosquitoes? <laughs> so I get that as well. And of course, we have to consider that what's said there is in the combined common good is that obviously if, if, if maybe one creature is making life hell for all other creatures, then maybe we have to do something about that, you know? It could, it could actually be quite easily argued that humans are the, the one species that are making life hell for other species. But uh, anyway, yes, but the, the point is that, yeah, that we have to prioritize, we have to uh, allow all other creatures to flourish just as, just as we are allowed ourselves to flourish. Uh, number three is the, the Earth's natural resources are the birthright of all its inhabitants and free to share in the combined common good. This is really basic stuff, maybe saying that we all have an equal share of inheritance on the Earth. Uh, lots of people like to think that we don't, but actually we do. Um, Number four, every human being is an equal part of a worldwide community of humans and a free citizen of Earth. Um, of course, we're really pretty much just dissolving borders and that statement kind of saying, well, the borders are not, uh, not particularly useful and um, dangerous in a lot of ways. And uh, of course, we're all an equal part of this planet, again, uh, a free citizen of Earth. So yeah, again, it's, it's really just about uh, saying that the borders are, are something that are less than helpful. Um, number five is our community is founded on the spirit of cooperation and an understanding of nature provided through basic education. Um, yeah, that's pretty much self-explanatory that we, we sort of, we understand the world, we get to, we come to understand our world really through education and understanding of nature and our, our, our shared reality, I suppose. This is, it's, it sounds so obvious, but really it's, Given, given the way the education works now and the way we sort of, in, we, the way we uh, get to learn the world, really it's, it's, you know, it's so far removed from this. You know, we really just, we just get bundled into sort of um, classrooms all kind of at a competitive age and we're kind of really kind of slogging it out there for marks and grades and uh, all sort of stuff. And none of this stuff matters really at all. You know, it's, um, we, the stuff that we educate ourselves is, is really ridiculous, you know, like teaching kids algebra without teaching them how to communicate or without teaching them how to deal with their own negativity or con re resolve conflicts. I mean, it's a, it's a big bugbear of mine, of course, education. And a, a big thing that we're, that we're looking, another, another project I can talk about later that we're hoping to deal with. Uh, number six is the, the big one. This is the money-free one. This is the, our community provides for all its members the necessities of a healthy, fulfilling, and sustainable life freely and without obligation. So this is pretty much taking down the entire monetary edifice in one short sentence. And uh, again, it's, uh, it's not just a case of a 
attacking the money system. It's the case of saying that um, if we want to live, um, if we want to prosper on this planet and we want to live in balance and we want to have the healthy, sustainable life, then this is what we need to do because obviously there are any amount of uh, examples of how the, the monetary and the consumer system is pretty much tearing up the planet and destroying ecology here. So uh, that's something that really just has to stop. Unfortunately, the reality is that um, that because uh, because the monetary system is such a it's so um, addictive, I suppose, to people, it's, it's, it, 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 it reduces all our decisions really to a simple arithmetic formula, you know, which is kind of like, if you want something, can I, have I got enough money in my pocket to buy this thing? And uh, yes, I do. And then that, that, that's pretty much the decision is made. If you can afford to buy something and you need that thing, then that's, that's the entire decision. Whereas it's, it's never that simple because maybe that thing you're, you're buying is something that's highly, uh, got highly toxic substances in it, or maybe it's highly destructive into the environment thing to produce. Um, and uh, maybe it's, 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 there's a whole catalog of human abuses behind buying that thing. You know, like, you know, we talk about iPhones and all this sort of stuff and the, the amount of human abuse and resource abuse that goes into buying these things. But really when we just live in a culture where really, if we have enough money to buy that thing, we buy that thing and that's the decision is made. You know? So we have to, we have to move away from that and start looking at the other costs of things rather than the financial costs of things. So, when you reduce everything to a financial cost, it becomes too easy to manipulate and to, to make the wrong choices. Uh, number seven, then, is, again, very uh, simple. Our community respects the limits of nature and its resources, ensuring minimal consumption and waste. Well, this is actually probably one of the more, um, one of the more successful ones nowadays because we do see a lot of this huge advances coming along in recycling and recycle management and that sort of stuff. So a uh, lot to be hopeful for there, really, the way we are actually um, thinking about how we use resources and how we, how we uh, manage our waste and stuff like that. So uh, but, but thankfully, things are, are changing that way. Um, number eight, uh, not so much. Uh, our community derives its solutions and advances progress primarily through the application of logic and best available knowledge. So this is a kind of a way of saying, well, if we have a, if you have a, a, a social problem, uh, it may be um, a political solution is not always the best solution. Not saying that that's an absolute, but there are there can be like scientific solutions, or there can be uh, um, ways of using best available knowledge that can maybe solve that problem. Um, kind of think for I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, but uh, I don't know. For example, if you need to build um, need to build a school somewhere or whatever, it's uh, it can be a political decision, or it can be a scientific, or more more like I don't really like use the word scientific, but the more like where you're using the best available knowledge to, uh, to apply to that decision, whether that's the best thing to do that. Maybe it's, it's not the best thing uh, logically to build a school in that place where it might be it's politically it is the best thing because somebody has X amount of budget to build a school, so they just go and build a damn school anyway, even though it's not really needed, and it's, it's a, they really need one down the road, but they just don't have the, the funds for it, so, or they don't have the political persuasion or power or whatever. So a lot of this stuff, you know, well, you know, the way that, lobbyists and all, the, all that stuff works that uh, the best decisions are not always based on the best available knowledge but really based on political uh, persuasion and uh, all the forces that go with that 
Uh, number nine, then, is our community acknowledges its duty of care and compassion for members who are unable to contribute. Um, this is, uh, again, this is something that's probably quite uh, normal for society now, we, that we do tend to look after the, the sick and the elderly. I mean, this is pretty much the basic thing in society. That's, I think we're pretty good at that anyway. Um, but it just needs to be in there that if, um, if we are operating in a world that doesn't actually use money, then uh, obviously everyone will be kind of, I suppose, will have an onus to kind of contribute a small amount to actually keeping the running of that society. But there will be some people maybe who for one reason or another uh, are not able to. And uh, we need to be able to, we need to have the compassion to say, okay, well, let's, we're going to look after these guys too, even if for whatever reason. I, I would even go so far as to say is even if somebody basically just doesn't want to contribute, I think they still need to be supported because this is just, uh, it's just the way it works, you know, and, but they're, they're, we, don't, we don't always understand the reasons of, of why people, and we, we know that we can always just try and do the best and keep people engaged in society. And, uh, but of course, we know in, in modern society, we do have people who are, for example, unemployed, but they don't, they don't want to look for work and that sort of stuff. So people can, some people can tend to be, they can slip through the gap. But we have to look after these people. We don't understand who or what, what they've been through or how they, uh, so I mean, it's, it's pretty much basic. Uh, some countries are better at that than others. You know, we have good welfare systems in, in Europe. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure about America or Canada. Maybe they do, but uh, so it's, it's kind of something that we kind of do anyway. But uh, again, it's a no-brainer. If there's, if there's people there that need looking after, we, we need to look after them. And finally, the, the last one actually is, is probably quite a favorite for a lot of people is the, that our community acknowledges its responsibility to maintain a diverse and sustainable biosphere for all future life to enjoy. And that basically means that even though we are all sharing this planet together, you and I and everyone else now, we have to also remember that there is like, there is seeds and there are seeds of future people and future beings that are here now that are, that are, not, that are not going to exist yet, but they will exist in the future. And they deserve to have um, a good planet as, as we did. We, uh, they deserve to have, a, to give them a good planet. So it's really just for, for future generations not just human generations, of course, but for all, all creatures on the planet. You know. There you go. That's pretty much a rundown of the 10. If, like if, if someone wants to go to the website there, they can, uh, well, they can endorse it, but they can also go and click on there. You can see an explanation underneath each one. Most of it is pretty, uh, pretty basic stuff, you know, but uh, unfortunately we kind of need it, you know, because we're so, uh, I know we're a little bit lost really in what we think is important and what's not important. So we do need these kind of, we do need to a little bit of guidance, I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. Those are great. And I appreciate you sharing all that. They're common sense. They're simple. And it kind of gives us a direction. You know, everyone is, you know, we're like, okay, cool. This seems like everything uh, like we, we can agree upon. Now it's, are we taking action towards any of them? And that's the big piece. So I guess the question I had next was number one, curious how many signatures you've had. And two, mm -hmm. how are you encouraging people to take action and executing on these? Quite good question. Yeah, we have actually just um, we got about sixty thousand signatories for that at the moment, which is good. Um, it's a pretty. It's not a lot more, but that's something we're working towards. One of the the, the challenges that we we obviously face, um, being a sort of like um, a kind of just like a, a for good sort of enterprise, really, is uh, is that we we're trying to promote this kind of stuff in amongst the humongous noise of consumerist society and social media. 
and uh, it's um, well, it's tough. I have to, I have to be honest with you. It's pretty tough to to promote these kind of things where you need, you really need someone to sit down and sit still long enough and even meditate a little bit, even just to to see the sense of of, of where this is going and why it's necessary. So not all people have time for that. So like we have, we have such a noisy society, you know that, and um, it's it's uh, it's it's not easy to promote sort of things like this, which do require quite a bit of contemplation and a bit of um, sort of uh, measured intellect, I suppose. But what um, the what what we're doing is uh, we've been sharing it a lot on social media, of course, since uh, since it started. And um, we've su we've kind of suffered quite a little bit in the last maybe year or two because as the the way the the Facebook algorithm changed and that sort of stuff where things like our page on they we like we had like fifty thousand members on our page but now it's you know, it's very hard to reach those people you know because the Facebook changed the way it operates so um, that's it's going to be tough it has to be it has to be said it's been tough for the last couple of years keeping things going and keeping interest in the thing. But yeah, putting it into action is um, is really where we're at now, actually. And there's quite a few things I can talk about that, uh, if you like. And the first one is the the free world or network, which is um, basically it's like the free world charter in action. It's basically this: we we put everyone everyone who signed the charter, we put them on a on a world map. If you check out freeworlder.com, you'll see a map and you'll see everyone basically on it. And we're uh, encouraging people to actually go on there and to start to start sharing goods and services freely with each other, basically, and this, to start creating this uh, completely free or open economy, as we call it, um, with other members on there. And that's happening right now, and it's going really, really well. We're really, really happy about that. So this is it's the absolute um, it's the embodiment of of the charter in action, you know. So that's that's something I'm very happy about. Um, yeah, it has been. It's been. A, it's been a concern of mine for a while. Is that that the charter is while it's it's pretty much just a static document, and it's while it's nice, it doesn't necessarily uh, do anything proactively. So that has been a that's been uh, the the real the the push behind getting the the free world or network going. I have to say that's going really really well. And uh, so we have people like who are like basically giving away the, you know small items or services into people in their local area and that sort of stuff that's happening all the time. I have to say, I'm also happy to say that there's, um, there are other sites as well, similar sites doing uh, the very same thing, like you have helpfulpeeps.com, I don't know if you've heard of that one where you are, or you have Kindista, and, and you have um, oh, it, uh, Free Cycle, for example, either ones. So there's there's a, kind of a, there's a kind of a rise of these kind of sharing sites. So I think most people are kind of cognizant that this is the mentality that we're going to be moving towards. So I, I love it. I love the fact that there are more than one site. I don't want to be the, the biggest or the only one. I, w I want them to be as many as possible. You know, that's what, we, that's what makes it, gives it, gives it everything color, you know. So um, I'm very happy with the, the free world thing. And that's the thing. Uh, that's basically the free world charter in action. Um, it's also in that I know you mentioned the honor pay thing as well. This is a, another little side project that I've been sort of doing in the last few years, which is basically a way of kind of bestowing gratitude um, to another person without actually giving them anything physical or 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 buying them something or or paying for anything. It's like um, I you could call it a virtual thank you card, I suppose. But it's like a way of saying if you if you respect what somebody has done or if you 
somebody if somebody helped you in a great way or somebody inspired you in a great way you can more or less send them this honor through honor pay as it's also incorporated in the free world network so um so basically uh, the honor pay thing again is a kind of is a form of I'd like to call it as like, it's, like a, it's, a, it's a form of virtual currency, but a currency of appreciation it doesn't have any value. You can't change it or swap it or do anything with it. It, it, has, it has zero function except just uh, to embody that appreciation for it. And I have to say, it's nice to get them. It's, I've got quite a few because obviously I'm the founder of it and uh, that's understandable. I've probably got more than my fair share. But um, it's... Uh, it's, it's it really feels nice to get them and it's one of the things that i have been aware of is that um even with the, the money system it's not all bad you know because if somebody does a good job for you and you pay them money to do something you are also you're demonstrating your appreciation for that job that they've done so this is this is a good thing i think you need to show appreciation we need to feel appreciated so the underpay thing is is really my way of uh Putting that, encapsulating that little um, conveyance of appreciation from one person to another, in a completely moneyless and uh, resourceless way. So, uh, I think it's quite good. I think it's quite good. It's, uh, a lot of people use it, so I'm very happy with that too. Amazing, brother! Uh, I, I love all those. I have so much to comment on pretty much every one, um, and I know you can go deeper on each of them. So I'll, I'll try to keep it limited. The sure. honor pay thing, very simple. And the, the vibration and frequency of gratitude, you know, every spiritual person talks about that and it feels good. And, and the person even gifting the gratitude, that's, that's good for them too. They're in that just mindset of appreciating gratitude. And that's one of the most powerful things that we can do. So every day you can kind of send a few out. And if you make that a habit, you're in the habit of gratitude and then people are receiving it and they feel inspired. And, you know, when I receive an email or a social media comment or something like that, you know, sometimes you'll do your work and you feel like it's not doing anything. Um, but then you get like yeah. a little feedback. You're like, all right, cool. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is, we need to, we need to feel appreciated. You know, we're obviously we're social animals and that sort of stuff. So we want, we want to feel appreciated. We want to be accepted in the pack to a point. But then um, one of the things that, again, I come back to the, what I, what I kind of call the arithmetic of money is where it's, we reduce everything to this simple equation, you know, one, one plus one equals two, and that, that all these decisions are based on basic uh, arithmetic, you know, which it fails to include the complexity of life and, uh, that's what like, and uh, how, how, how the stuff works. Sorry, I don't explain that well, but what, I'm, what I really mean is that if you're paying someone to do a job for you, of course, you're conveying appreciation. But for example, if I pay you twenty dollars to doing something, that means you're now plus twenty dollars, and I'm now minus twenty dollars. So I've kind of I've um, I've well, suffered, shall we say? You know, I've, I've I've there's been a cost to me for that because the money thing is so extricably linked to survival. Now, for example, that basically it means that well, for most people. It means that when you when you pay someone to do that, this is this is this is like um, damaging your 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 castle, if you like. I mean, it's 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 making you weaker because you need to have money to be strong in this money world, you know. So when you're when you're throwing away money, I mean, that you you give giving away money, you're going to end up homeless, you're going to end up hungry, and the more money you give away, the weaker you become. You know, this is obviously ridiculous, you know. And because of that fact, then that. When you're paying something to do things that to do things for you, 
um, you're, you're, you're kind of suffering a little bit when you actually should be appreciating the, the gratitude that you're demonstrating. Do you understand what I mean? That it's exactly like you said, that when you appreciate somebody, it's a, it's a, it's a two-way thing. Both people benefit, you know. I appreciate you for doing something in a, in a very, uh, in, a, in, a, in a nice way. And uh, I feel good for, for conveying that sense to you as well. When we reduce it to a simple monetary arithmetic, it means you get plus 50 and I get minus 50, you know, and that's kind of a, this is kind of means that you're getting something and I'm not, you know, where it's, it's the opposite is really the case. Once you take away the, the, the arithmetic part of it, we're both benefiting from that, you know, and as I like to say, gratitude really is the currency of life, you know, it really is appreciation is the currency of life. That's, that's how we get things done. Yeah. And if you think about it along the same lines, you know, the, the arithmetic is the cold business transaction on a system above and beyond just being a human, you know, if it was very simple and we lived in a small community and one person made baskets and one person, I don't know, knew how to build houses and one person was the gardener and we cooperated, we could swap. And that's kind of how it was. And Mm. when I I just spent with two weeks with David Lonebear and he just talked about his culture where uh, if somebody needed something, it was a privilege for them to give it because that was their service to the community. Um, The challenge is a very large scale and we're so entrenched in the system. You know, we're, Mm. we're, we're looking at new solutions. We're, we're, beginning to build systems to cooperate like you're doing and, and eyes are on it because a lot of people in the system are realizing that this is pretty challenging and, and not a sustainable way to live. Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess my question is um, with all of these things you're doing, because you've, you've written a couple of books and I like how they're nonfiction and you know, they're about oh. economics. How, how do you see we can start making uh oh transition yeah. out when you're right in the middle of it you got to pay bills sure. and you've got kids and you yeah. know you're, yeah. you're in it and how can we kind of start to uh, execute yeah, yeah. these absolutely yeah yeah of course and um, it, it's important to have the, the the tools in place like the freeworld.com the free sharing network or the honor pay it's uh, for me i think it's important to have these basic tools that that's, that can enable those systems for when people are ready okay um, but yet, yeah, for the transition, obviously, is the kind of the big buzzword now, really, that people are, are talking about. And uh, yeah, I've got lots to say on that, as, as you can imagine. Um, one of the things that one of the things that I think is, is the good news is that the, the transition is really happening anyway. I mean, we are going to we're inevitably going to end up in that kind of system, even if the likes of you or me to sit on our hands and do nothing. I think it's still going to happen because um, we're, we're, we're slowly moving in that direction. Most people, as you say, are realizing that this system is a, is a crock. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't going to be sustainable. It can't keep going like this. And, of course, we have more and more misery and uh, financial stress, I think, is probably one of the most uh, untalked un- about miseries in the world. You know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing. I'm not just talking about poverty. I'm talking about financial stress and people who have money. And it's a big, it's a big, big problem called huge illness and that sort of stuff. Um, I think that yeah, the transition is is going to happen anyway. So it's it's not something um, we should be asking is how do we transition because loads of things happening that are making that like the, even the fact that you and I are having this conversation is a part of that transition. But the only the, for me the only important question is how do we speed up that transition? How do we make that faster? Because if we just sit and wait for it to happen. Um, well, we could end up with a, with a huge climate chaos somewhere in the middle of that, or we could end up with 
God knows, uh, another World War III or something else. You know, there's other things that are that are precipitating in the background, which are which are dangerous. You know, and uh, it's possible that we might have to go through some really really hard times to get to the other side. Obviously, I don't want that to happen. I'm sure you don't either. But what we want is to um, we need to transition as fast as possible. So what we need to do is find mechanisms that that will basically speed up that process. And the the uh, the book that I wrote, um, actually the first one is a fictional novel. It's um, F Day, the Second Dawn of Man. Um, it, that's basically that was like um, I decided to write a story about transition to find out how would we go from today to a money free world completely. And uh, so I set about writing this that story, and that was I have to say quite a fascinating process. It took me three years to write the book, but it was. Um, it was a fascinating process because even though even though it's a fictional story, you're still you still have to make it plausible. You know, you still have to make have a little plausible increments through the story. So uh, because you can't just say wacky, ridiculous shit like uh, oh yeah, and then and then they all lived happily ever after. You know, because just no one's going to buy that shit. You know, you have to you have to you have to make it believable. You know, so it has to be believable. And uh, that's the challenge of that story. So basically at the beginning of the book, well, we, uh, I can tell you the book has a happy ending. So you have a really good idea where it goes. So um, basically it starts off as like here and now where we are. And um, it's, it starts off then that, uh, through kind of a coincidence of, uh, of things that happen. Uh, it, it begins in one country. One country starts to adopt this kind of money-free uh, idea and uh, then of course other countries are looking at that and they start copying and uh, that's so kind of it spreads from one country outwards but what's interesting about it is obviously the the the, the story is, is very much focused in that one country which was iceland this is where they were where i put the focus on the book and um so obviously i had to deal with all the the practicalities of how things were working how things were going what 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 was uh, working what wasn't working what were the challenges even in a fictional sense, but I still had to deal with those problems in this fictional world. So it was really quite a fascinating process, and I ended up kind of, uh, kind of well, coming up with so many uh, potential um, solu solutions to the various problems that I, I wrote another book about it because uh, uh, I thought that the, the, the ideas were, were good, and I thought that basically I should put these into a separate book. So actually, from, after writing the first book, the, the spin-off was a little short non-fiction one called Into the Open Economy, which basically describes in, in very, very basic, simple terms why we need to move to an open economy, open moneyless economy, and how we deal with the, excuse me, the, the daily practical matters of doing that. Um, for example, how do we keep essential services going? How do we keep vital essential services going? How do we keep food production? How do we uh, maintain law and order? How do we stop uh, things going uh, to chaos? And uh, how, what do we do with prisons and prisoners and this sort of stuff? So all these kind of little micro questions, things that you kind of wouldn't think on the face of it. They were kind of uh, things that I had to deal with in the book. And uh, so I put them all into the other uh, in the other book as well. So they're kind of like the, they're like a companion set, I suppose. But the second one, the Into the Open Economy, has been been translated into seven other languages, so it's going really well. It's, you can actually download that for free from Amazon. Um, if you just search Amazon for Into the Open Economy, you'll find it. And uh, like I say, the it's completely got, completely free to download, and it's only 
it's only 90 pages. It's a very, very short book and it's very, very simple. So I would definitely recommend anyone interested in these ideas to, to download that and check it out. Um, so that's in terms of the, the transition. This is like obviously the F day is the book is, is a fictional story of transition. Obviously, this is not a Bible. This is just one idea of how it could pan out. And I think just for that alone, it's sort of um, it's it's been quite inspiring for people. A lot of people have really, really liked the book. And uh, it's uh, it shows I don't know. It's, it's like when you break through the jungle for the first time with the sword, you know, it's with the machete. It's like somebody has to break through first and start untangling the mess and start making some sort of a shape on the path, you know. And I think the book has kind of helped, helped a lot of people to do that, to see that. So I'm not saying it's not going to go like that, but I think that um, you need to have, um, you need to start making a path, beating a path through the, through the resistance of the, the, the incumbent system and, and how, how, it's, how it might try and stop that and how it's going to um, prevent that from happening. So it's really, it's, it's quite a fun book, actually. Um, we're hoping to actually make it into a movie as well. This is something that's being discussed at the moment. Um, talking to a couple of guys about that, one of them who is a, a producer in the, the States who is uh, taking an interest in it. So that's, that's really exciting too. Um, that would make a, a big difference. You know, this would be like bringing, bringing this whole idea really into people's living rooms or into, into their local theaters. So that's, that's a really exciting possibility. Yeah, man, I love all that. And I got to apologize. Someone's just like cutting the lawn next door. And I think they're trying to do a pay it forward where they were cutting my lawn. So the whole time I was wanting you to talk is like, yes, please keep talking because this is annoying. I can't even ch chime in if I want. Um, but you're talking on so many important things like through story, we learn, we learn through story. And, yeah. you know, let's say the big, the big the man knows this and so if you look at her stories it's all about war and competition and strife and mm. the taliban yep. sometimes it's north korea sometimes it's you know uh the terrorists and you need to create that story first and mm. so if we can take control of our media and i just was in austin for the conscious media festival and it was wonderful it's redesigning positive media because then we see that solution in a very yep. simple way you know i've really got back into skateboarding again and if i see somebody do the trick correctly i can mm. the mirror neurons activate and it's easier for yeah. me to do the trick so now i'm watching more skateboarding than ever before so for watching mm. these solutions be built you know every yeah. movie out there is about chaos and how the world's yeah. going to end and you know, how many different ways can you get shot in the face? It's like, what about how many different ways we could build a beautiful world? Yeah. And we're all here on this planet, even if 10% of us work together to build the solution. And I think that's what this generation is. We have that yeah. opportunity. And if we can begin to imagine, that's how it starts. We need to imagine the new world. And then we got to do the slow, hard work and start executing and living that way to build it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right about the, the whole the media thing is um, always presented. It's like a, you always have the pantomime villain, you know, in every movie and everything, even on the news stories you have, whatever, whatever politician of the month is the local villain, you know, he's a guy who did terrible things. And it's, I don't know, it's like this perpetual sort of witch hunt all the time, you know, for uh, who's the bad guy? Who's the bad guy? Somebody is the bad guy. I know somebody is the bad guy here. So who's the bad guy? This is a ridiculous idea, you know. I think it's a lot of that comes from, from maybe from our religious uh, upbringing. You no, know, we always have this thing about good versus evil. You know, we always have that. We have cowboys versus Indians. We have like uh, 
cops and robbers, you know, we always say we have the same thing repeated over and over again, that there's really good guys and there's really bad guys. I don't think the, the world is like that at all, you know. I think everyone is capable of doing very good things and very bad things, you know. I mean, I've done bad things as well as good things, you know. I'm not a, I'm not a saint. I'm sure you're the, you're the same. So, I mean, we all, we're all capable of, of, of different things at different times, you know. So, um, I think this, again, it, it comes down to trying to create an oversimplistic storyline, you know. And if you look at any movie nowadays, you'll see, like, the villain is, it's not just a villain, he's really nasty, you know. He's, he's ugly, he's got a scar on his face, and he's, he talks bad to his, to his girlfriend, and he's, he, he kicks the dog, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, they just lay it on thick, you know. But real life isn't really like that, you know. But of course, yeah, it, it does kind of help to it's kind of, it's to propel a story along a little bit. Always. So I try to avoid that as much as possible in the FJ books, you know, to have this kind of, these sort of pantomime villains who are kind of hiding on the street corner all the time. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very different, actually, in some ways, uh, that book, that, because it doesn't really toe the line in terms of how you're supposed to write a story with good guys and bad guys. Um, it, it kind of uh, it shows that, well, I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but really it, it comes down to uh, where there is a kind of um, an antagonist and a protagonist and uh, how they resolve that, that uh, problem is actually really what's quite unique about the book. It's not like one guy shoots the other. It's nothing like that at all. It's, it's something not, not what you expect. So that's, that's, that's what's good. And I like the fact that that's different about the thing. So uh, if it gets made into a movie, I'm skeptical that a large studio would, would take it on probably for that point because it doesn't have the usual black versus white thing. So uh, um, maybe we'll, it'll be going into an independent production. Um, I would be happier to see the, the movie made more faithful to the book rather than selling out of the, the blockbuster with the cheesy ending, or whatever, for example. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good book. If any, if you, if it's not free to download, unfortunately, but it's quite cheap to buy, and uh, you'll be obviously supporting our efforts if, if you buy by buying that. All the money that we sell in our books, that sort of stuff, all goes back in. So it's important to remember, of course, that even though we have these fantastic ideas and ideology about the world that we still live in this money world and most of us pretty much need money to keep uh, life and limb together and to keep ourselves going so that's just, this is why we uh, we're sort of introducing kind of a excuse me a more of a, um, a commercial aspect of the business as well because we need to we need to grow our operations we need to um, excuse me, we need to um, uh, foster new projects, we need to improve the projects that we have. Because they all, it all takes time and money, so uh, this, is, uh, this is one thing. It's very important, I think, for people not to confuse the ideology of what we're doing with really the practicalities of promoting it. Um, I always like to say that like, if we were like a charity, sell it, or if we were a charity for a children's charity, or for example, for anything, we would still need money to fund our operation and to to keep things ticking over. But because we're sort of an, an organization which is promoting a moneyless world, it seems like the onus is on us, well, we have to do that without money. But that's actually, it makes it very, very hard in this kind of system. So uh, we're actually, we're moving into a kind of, we're creating a couple of uh, commercial uh, associated ventures, which are actually going to support this thing. Like it's a philanthropic company that we're actually just starting off now. It's actually be, it'll be it's being launched um, next week, 
Um, I'm talking about it at Z Day. I don't know if you're familiar with the Zeitgeist movement, Z Day. Oh, yeah. Peter I Joseph. I didn't know they had a Z Day. I, I'm familiar with the documentaries. Well, yeah, yeah. They have a Z Day in Frankfurt, Germany, that's next weekend. I'm going to be at that. And they're going to be talking about the, um, the well, basically about my work and also about the new um, commercial venture, which is which is pretty much um, quite an interesting out-of-the-box idea that it's basically um, it's a way of supporting our efforts and promoting this money-free world, but doing it through money, which, of course, is hugely, it's going to sound hugely ironic to a lot of people, but the, the reality is, is that this is the best way to do it. And uh, you can take that from someone who know, who's been seven or eight years trying, you know, that... Uh, to to keep to sustain this kind of effort and to grow the sort of ideas that we're trying to grow on an entirely voluntary basis um, is not efficient. Uh, it's not sustainable, and um, we don't really have the luxury of time to just to just keep uh, tapping away at these sort of things. We need to speed up what we're doing because obviously there's uh, unbelievable hardship and damage going on all over the world because because of this. The ridiculous outdated system that we're still using so we need to find any way possible to actually to try and expedite this transition to bring us into this this new world so one of the things we're doing with this company the new company which is called free world one by the way you can google that if you want um it's basically we're going to be like funding and backing lots of different projects for um that will actually basically promote our message a good example would be the books and the movie, for example. These would be um, 100% commercial projects, which the, the money would go back into, into the company, which funds the other projects, like the Free World Network and that sort of stuff. And, uh, and the other thing we're doing is we're, 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 we've already started on an educational book series that we're hoping to get into schools. Um, these are books uh, which are aimed at kind of young kids from like 4 to 12. To actually teach them like uh, useful life skills such as empathy and compassion and uh, cooperation, sharing and uh, communication and respect, responsibility, all these kind of really basic um, qualities of life that really we kind of leave to chance a lot in life, and uh, we need to stop doing that and start um, deliberately or intentionally educating kids towards. Uh, a better way that's going to work for everybody you know so that's something we're very excited about actually so it's called um excuse me the um those books are called play up games because what we're doing is we're introducing activities and exercises that kids can learn these kind of basic life skills through games so they um they understand they they experience the thing for example if they want to learn respect and responsibility Rather than like pointing to a blackboard and a blackboard and saying you must do this, this, and this, and this, you have to put it into an experiential game where they actually experience why it felt why it felt good for the, to do it that way and why it felt bad to do it that way. You understand? So I think kids need the it's the fastest way to learn. You know, is is through experience. You know, it's theory and writing is not the fastest way to learn because it's it's abstract. But when you actually feel something emotionally. If you feel left out because you did something bad, or you you did, or you or you you you're physically hurt because you did something bad, you're I mean immediately you're probably not going to do that thing again, whatever it was. And conversely, if you did something that makes you feel good, however, probably you're going you're going to want to do that again as well. So um, 
Yes, it's all happening. There's a lot of things going on. This is the, I'm very excited about the educational project and the new company. So uh, it's uh, it's a way of it's like a it's like a, a way of hybridizing our efforts to actually still be promoting the good stuff and focusing on the on the things that will actually make that world possible. But doing it through a for-profit model that actually makes that sustainable because it, if without that it's it's not sustainable because the, the 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 system that we use is just too overpowering it's too overwhelming and it's like it's like screaming into the wind sometimes you know so it's um it's tough it's tough out there doing this thing so we we have to we have to take radical action we have to do something different and that's why that's why we're like hybridizing our efforts interesting yeah man well i i totally know exactly what you're talking about it's this is what i talked about the transition because we're in the money system i'm in the money yeah. system um i've been doing the podcast for three years and it's made a few bucks uh, definitely not living money um yeah. and it's a service and i enjoy it and uh yeah. i think it provides value and it's something that i contribute i contribute to a lot of uh, yeah. causes like the International Tribunal for Natural Justice. I always encourage everyone to yeah. check out because that's just launched now. It's itnj.org. They're doing. Oh, this is this is with um, related to Sasha Stone. He's yep. involved in that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, they're looking at uh, the child trafficking, child sex, and the sex trade in the world, and you know they need money to, you know, to share what this is. And we have billions of dollars to promote a movie. You know, The Rock's new movie is coming out, and They've got all the, you know, they could easily access millions and millions of eyeballs. And I love The Rock. And I was like, yo, and he's doing something cool too about inspiring people to be their best. But I was like, yo, let's look at real world solutions too. It's so easily accessed with so much money. And I, I always kind of get confused with all with certain projects of why there is no money. And it makes it very challenging. Uh, yeah. Michael Tellinger's Ubuntu project is another really cool one. Um, but, you know, if we have the money for marketing, then we can share the idea wide and yep. far. And what's happening is the people with money now share different ideas very wide and very far. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people personally that dedicate to some sort of service and they figure out gifting. And that's literally personally what I'm working on right now too with how I coach and how I spend my time because I'm getting a big influx of people. A lot more people want to come on the podcast. A lot more yeah. people just want to talk to me. A lot more people sure. want my coaching. And I want to help everybody. And I was like, yeah. I don't know how to handle this time. So I'm learning new systems. And it's like, yeah. if you don't have the money, I'd love to just give that to you. And then I'm like, I still need to buy a sandwich because this is how it works. But my mm -hmm. kind of spiritual guidance system is to support the community. So yeah. kind of yeah. this, this is why I feel like it's transitioned for the new systems of we're figuring yeah. it out. We don't know. We kind of have, I have to go use money to pay for things as far as I know. I haven't really mm -hmm. tried the experiment where I don't. Um, mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. And what yeah. it what it made me reminded me of was uh, I used to think that you shouldn't pay companies to market for their charities, and I saw a mm -hmm. TED talk on why that when they run it as like a business, they actually create way more money. So this isn't talking about whether the charity is actually putting the money towards the cause and it's a good charity. It's just talking about the efficiency of the charity, and basically yeah. what the guy said was like 
you know, I, I think they're raising money for cancer or something. And they had raised like 10, 12 million the year before people had found out that they were using money for advertising, for admin, for things like this. Mm -hmm. And so they asked yeah. it all. And then next year the company raised or the, the, the charity raised a million. And what his point was, is that you have all these people coming out of Harvard and Stanford and, or really smart, educated, talented people. And if they, if you give them the opportunity to thrive and make some money, you know, $300,000 a year, you know, spreading goodness for humanity for this mm -hmm. charity. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, no, we're only going to pay you $30,000 a year because you mm -hmm. got to do this out of the kindness of your heart. He's like, well, they could go get their job for 300 or 500 K or whatever it is <laughs> and just contribute that financially mm -hmm. if they wanted. So it was a little bit of a, a twist yeah, yeah. for me. And I think that crowdfunding is another thing that can help. Mm -hmm. um, so I mm -hmm. guess where I wanted to go with this, because I'm curious, so like, can you speak about some of the systems that you've come across like what if you were just gifted you know 20 billion dollars how do we start building it now how do you see people move within their minds and change within mm -hmm. themselves and what systems do you see starting to build because i've had this discussion yeah. with my friends quite a few times is that even when this money comes in ideally maybe some of us get super rich on crypto some of us get rip rich on a, mm -hmm. a currency reevaluation if that's real whatever the case yeah. is once we get all the money we need to execute on the plan so it's now it's like we we know that we want to train to go yeah. from a to b but we have to build it each and every day. So what kind of systems yeah, solutions have you seen that you would love, love to build? Yeah. Okay. Great question. And I just want to get back to before you say that about the, um, about the, the salaries of, of charities, it's a big scandal in Europe, actually in quite a few in charities in UK, especially where some of these CEOs or charities were getting like massive salaries of, you know, 500,000, Euros a year. I mean, who the hell needs that kind of money? You know, it's just ridiculous. You know, especially in a charity. So that's. I think that's a lot of people are copying onto that. And then, um, but even still, in in Ireland, where I'm from, it's a big problem as well. You have a, you have, a lot, a, a three or four very big charities, and they make a lot of money. And uh, uh, probably you know sixty or seventy percent of it goes to their admin costs and that sort of stuff, which is kind of ridiculous, really. But what we're doing in our company, actually, which is a little bit different, and I should point out, actually. Um, is that we're capping all the wages. We're having a maximum salary. So like the maximum salary for anyone from me or for anyone else working in the company is going to be the same. And it's going to be like a really, really minimal salary. We haven't actually figured on the thing yet, but it's, the idea is that the salary is just going to be what we need really to live on very comfortably. You know, I've, I've no interest in having a, a large salary now at all, now I have to say. And uh, the other people who are, in, who are involved as well are, not interested. We're more. In, we're here for the for the for the good of what we're trying to promote. Uh, but it's going to be super helpful if we can make a bit of money from doing that. So that's that's what makes the difference. And what you mentioned there about your podcasting, you know that, you know you you you're you're trying to juggle things and you're trying to you still make have to make ends meet. If I was to say to you, okay, well let's give. I can give. I can give you like two or three grand a month, for example, and this is going to be enough for you to live on. Whatever that just makes it so much easier for you. You can just concentrate on your podcasting 100% and all that sort of thing. You know, so these kind of things is what I'm talking about. Where we find we find the good projects, we find the people who are doing good things, and we're going to we're going to invest in these things. We're going to invest in these projects and back these things, and of course we're going to back the profitable projects as well. And that's a way of keeping the business sustaining itself because obviously we can't. We can't just give out money to everyone. That's not going to work. So we have to have a way of 
making money and making it in and making it in a way that really suits our aims. And we're we're lucky actually that there's there's quite a decent intersection between the ideas that we're promoting and uh, and ways that we can actually make money from doing so. Uh, I mentioned the educational books for schools there earlier. This is um, this is potentially a huge, huge untapped market um, that we're looking at at the moment. Uh, we've done some preliminary research in the UK and Ireland, and we have like uh, we have teachers more or less crying out for the sort of things that we're we're offering to sell, you know. And uh, we, uh, the, the, I think, the results of our survey was like 85% of teachers said that they would use this product in their class. So this is like, um, I'm talking about the products, the, the books that are kind of teaching empathy and compassion through, uh, through things because uh, a lot of teachers, they suffer uh, tremendously with uh, behavioral problems in students. You know, it's a, it's a big problem, especially in big cities and stuff like that, that student behavior is, is very, very poor. And uh, they're looking for ways to tackle it, you know, and in, in some cases the classes are out of control, you know. So. This is, it's a huge problem. Um, obviously, the, the kids don't want to be there. I don't want to. I don't blame them. I didn't want to be there either. You know, to learn this this crap. You know, so uh, this we need to start teaching them the good stuff. But um, so that's this. So that educational thing is one way. That's it's it's a potentially a very large and profitable market. It's a way that our company, the Free World One company, can actually make quite a decent amount of revenue while actually promoting stuff that's needed anyway and it fits with our ideas. So uh, yes, well, you were asking what systems would it promote if I got if I if I got the check from Bill Gates for her whatever a few billion dollars. What am I going to spend that money on? Well, I would have to say um, uh, the, the the most important things, the three most important things that I think consider are education, uh, not just of children's education, but educating adults as well. Uh, the second thing is raising awareness and actually just literally bringing the ideas to people because most people can't even conceive of such an idea of how a, wor a world could operate with, without money. You mentioned you, you mentioned to people about, okay, let's try a society without money. They just sh shut down, you know, shutters down, lights off, no one home. So um, we need to sort of, we need to find a way. I think the movie, for example, is a, is a really good format. If you could, if, maybe not this book or anything, if you could do a really good entertaining movie but with Tom Cruise and uh, I don't know uh, someone else or and uh, put the and get like loads of people to see this movie and to see whether I think it really really will open up immense possibilities you know I'm quite I'm quite optimistic actually that if we, this movie goes ahead that we may even be able to get like decent A or B list actors involved on a pro bono basis because a lot of the word, one of her, I have a few, a couple of friends of mine are kind of sort of Hollywood insiders, and there is, there's a kind of a movement even within Hollywood of people who are kind of starting to reject the system, who are starting to think back, who are starting to start to think differently. Jim Carrey, for example, and uh, Tom Shadiak, who also produced uh, Ace Ventura, even the likes of James Cameron, have, are, they're all kind of expressing, sort of starting to express different ideas and ways to to promote different societies, so it's quite possible when this script is ready to go that we might actually get some some quite heavy big names in 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 there on a pro bono basis. But yeah, the other thing that's so that was like um, education, yeah, and then raising awareness. You know, so you can do that through movies, through media, and anything, any sort of way like that. And uh, we know now, obviously, how how well easily we, we are manipulated through media. I mean, that's kind of common knowledge now. With, uh, 
even the, the, the ridiculous stuff going on with Cambridge Analytica is a kind of a way of showing us how, uh, how really easily molded we are just by the stuff that we experience in our daily lives and how it shapes the reality around us, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, I think Hillary Clinton was a, was a, was a, should have easily won that election. The only reason was that they, that she didn't really was because they, they, these, uh, these conspiring forces basically uh, turned people against her, you know, not saying Hillary Clinton was a better option by any means, but I'm saying that uh, she was like the, the the um the favorite certainly with the, the established option. So the fact that Trump got in obviously means that somebody somewhere is pulling strings and it's actually has discovered that it's actually really quite easy to pull those strings. I believe the same thing may have happened with uh, Brexit in in uh, UK as well, where they again we had a shock result of people saying that they did want to leave the European Union. And uh, that was really unexpected. I think there's was, was a lot of social media manipulation going on there as well. But the good news is that because we are so easily manipulated, we can also manipulate ourselves into the good stuff, you know, and that's what we need to do, you know. So I always say, that's fine. We can, we can be indoctrinated. That's great. But let's just indoctrinate ourselves with the good stuff and not the crap stuff. So raising awareness is a big one, yeah. Um, the other thing then is prototyping. You know, this is just like I was saying, the three things, education, awareness, and prototyping. Uh, the very famous quote from like Buckminster Fuller, which kind of says, well, don't, don't, try and, don't try and fight the existing system, build a new one that makes the old one obsolete. And that's really what we've tried to begin with the free world or free sharing network. We're trying to create a, a little micro moneyless economy and in the hopes that it will continue to grow someday and then eventually it could actually become a viable alternative to the likes of uh, Amazon or eBay. You know, it's, if we can keep growing like that and if people start realizing that actually they can get the stuff that they need for free, whether it's goods or services, it, they can, instead of going to Amazon or eBay, they can say, look at Free Worlder, and it's because there's going to be so much stuff on there that they'll, they'll have a good chance of finding what they need. So that's um, that's a possibility. We have the we can build a, like a good prototype model, like that. And of course, the prototype can also be like can also be like what Michael Tellinger is doing in the one small town idea, where he's he's trying to promote this um, self sufficiency uh, in a in a small town in uh, Frontenac, I think, isn't this? And uh, that's really a, a exciting stuff. So anything that kind of shows how it can work is really what we need. Because at the end of the day, everyone who who disagrees with the idea will say, "Well, I don't believe it'll work." So you have to be able to say, "Okay, well, here it is working. Go here and have a look, and you'll see for yourself that it works." Yeah, yeah. Well, I think T Tellinger's got a city in Canada, and then the last time I talked to him. Uh, yeah. He shared that after one city took essentially the Ubuntu project, which anybody could look up. I think it's Ubuntu.com or .org. Yeah. And it's a simple yeah. idea and it's a, it's a new system. It's a new idea. And then we need to execute on that to get feedback to see how well it worked and then contribute and communicate with other ideas and, and other systems and then start combining them together. And what it really yeah. requires is the first thing is the idea then the model, right, the prototype, and then the actual action and uh, execution. Yeah. And then we just get feedback and we can improve on that. And I think a lot of people yeah. have been doing that. And, you know, yeah. even over the years of you kind of just thinking about all this stuff, most people don't think about it. It's a huge problem. People don't, oh. 
normally think about how can we change everything, you know, look at the world and what's going on. Yeah. And when we start to plant these ideas and let's say people with influence, whether it's in Hollywood or wherever, start to see a little bit of momentum, maybe they can kind of give a push, you know, there's going to be mm -hmm. um, yeah. some help coming in the cavalry. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Definitely. so right now what I, what I see on the planet is I'm always looking for this, you know, this is a podcast for that, trying to find people that are thinking mm -hmm. differently that are looking to build solutions that are their heads against the wall and saying, Hey, this is what I've come up with might not be perfect, but it does seem to be a model that is, you know, everyone's going around with a square wheel and you kind of got maybe, I don't know, like an octagon type of shape It's like, it might not be perfect, but I feel like it's better than this square and we can give it a try. And really the bottom line for me on all of this stuff, when, when I imagine, a new earth or a improved system when when mm -hmm. i was in austin for the conscious media festival we did a kind of like a new earth day a new earth imagination and we got the people to give all these this feedback on what they would see this this ideal earth if we could invent it from scratch like children in kindergarten and we wanted a world that we all enjoyed really the main things were uh, cooperation and expansion and uh going from which uh, jacques fresco talks about from a uh, profit-based economy to a resource-based economy and there was a strong emphasis on education and I had a I was doing some journaling and thinking last night and because uh, I have a nephew who's three and a half and talking about school and things like that and I was talking to a friend on the phone because she has kids and she homeschools them and I realized and then I'm thinking and then in the spiritual sense I realized right away what education does and in, in the system of it what they teach you right away essentially is to give your authority to somebody else as quickly as possible as one of like the most fundamental important things where rather than a taking authority for yourself and your life within yourself you're really taught to to listen outside you to the teacher for information to the policeman for your for your law for you know the doctor for your health and really if you you know that that's kind of like this fundamental thing rather than your connection with yourself and spirit and so if we can yeah. rethink and reimagine education to empower the individual yep. you know, with these yep. spiritual yep. principles, with these personal development principles, with these uh, biological principles, they talk about biohacking. It's just a, you know, every time I think biohacking, yep. I just think, you know, meditate and just use common sense. Um, but we have these, you know, forest bathing, go in the forest, <laughs> you know, just go outside, get out, get, stop watching TV, go outside. You can now forest bathe. You know, it's even better than it was <laughs> Um, and so I feel like education is the most important, most important piece. So then it gets into the challenge of, cause I am in it, I am, I'm living the challenge and it's fun and, and challenging and stressful. And sometimes I want to scream, throw my skateboard. I don't know. Um, and some days it's beautiful and just magical and I'm in the magic of life and experience. Um, and so yeah. how, and you're in it too, you know, you, you had the business, now you're banging your head against the wall. You you have an idea that you want to share, but you need the money to share it. And then it's like, oh, I got to monetize this. So when someone's listening to this on the treadmill or they're walking down the street and they're in their life and they're imagining in their hearts, this new world, and that new world starts with their world. That's how I feel, you know, your connection with yourself and what you want to create, you can create this new world for yourself. And once you kind of teach yourself to swim, 
and your consciousness and your, your spirit is good and you're, you're not being kind of manipulated too much by outside sources. They're not stealing your energy. Like you're still in it, but you're not giving it all your energy and you have time to imagine your life. You have time to, Oh, you know, if I can get what I need, I want to contribute this. I can make a difference in my community and then it can go bigger. So I feel like we need to learn how to swim first and then start pulling people out and then get into larger systems like what you're proposing, what Tellinger's proposing, what people are proposing. And I guess as I say all this and get to the question, it would be, what would you recommend for for someone listening to this that wants to get involved? Uh, They want to improve their life. They want to contribute and they're right in it and and just simple things that maybe they can do or... Uh, think yep. about so they can improve their life, make a little bit of difference, maybe for themselves, their family, their community, yeah. and in a bigger way if they if they see that also. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think you really summed it up very well. There is uh, take your assume your own authority, take back your own authority. That's that can be tough to do for a lot of people. Like I say, we're so deeply indoctrinated in that. Uh, one of the things that we're hoping to, to uh, inspire in the the educational thing that we're doing is to is to start taking the teacher away from this dictatorial position and into more of a navigator position, which I think really is what the teacher is supposed to do. And the, the, of course, the other thing is to, is to facilitate group learning, you know, to not to have one dictator of facts and a lot of people learning, but to actually have group learning where it's, because learning really is a circular process. If you, any teacher, for example, they, the teachers learn from the students as well, but they don't really talk about that so much. But the, the learning should be, a, it needs to be a two-way or a circular process. And uh, I think that would actually make learning a lot more fun if you actually, instead of, I don't know, if you want to do a maths lesson, for example, instead of having one guy at a blackboard saying, okay, this is how it works, do this, why not put everyone around the circle and say, okay, we want to figure out how do we do this, this maths problem, for example, then, but what do you know? Okay, well, you know that, okay, and what does this person know? And then let's try and combine the knowledge and let's try and if we turn it into like a big puzzle that all the members of the group solve, it becomes much more engaging and much more interesting and uh, people are much more invested in the solution, you know? Whereas, the, excuse me, with the teacher just dictating the solution, it's, um, it's, it's not the same, doesn't have the same experiential value and that's really what's, where, what I think is lacking in education is having that experience, having experience that basically teaches you what is the what is the, the the solutions to problems you know so group learning and uh, the teacher as navigator i think really is is a really useful thing that we need we need to start incorporating in schools um yeah you're asking about what people what would you recommend for people who are um who are starting out with this way of thinking yeah i would say certainly become self-responsible that's that's the most important thing to stand on your own on your own authority that's really, really important. Um, I myself was probably, I was somebody, someone who maybe lacked quite a lot in self-confidence years ago. And uh, one day I just kind of said, well, you know something, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm tired of that. So uh, and it's, it's amazing how, uh, how liberating that is. You know, it's like you have this, you're carrying this, like, this thing on your back all the time and eventually say, well, you know something, I'm just going to put this down right here and I'm going to go on myself without this. So um, I've had quite an interesting uh, personal life uh, in, in many experiences like that, where basically I, I carried on doing things until someday I realized, well, I'm not doing that thing anymore ever again. And uh, moving on, that's, that's such a liberating experience. Like I can tell you've probably done this kind of thing too. So I think this is, um, 
yeah, taking the self-responsibility is, is, is really cool. And when you do that, when you start becoming self-responsible, you, you, you see things differently, you start seeing things differently, you start to understand your place within the, the cosmic unity, I suppose, better than, than, than when you're um, just uh, acting in self-interest. And there's a huge difference between self-interest and self-responsibility. So uh, most people are absorbed with self-interest, but self-responsibility really is uh, just taking responsibility for yourself. And when you do that, you also discover that actually I'm responsible for these other people too. I didn't even realize that before. And that's part of being self-responsible. So I think that's that's probably the only, the only, I mean, if you wanted to, I mean, I'm not going to tell people to, to buy the books or something like that because that's just that's a bit shallow. But the point is that if you want to start making these changes in your life to move towards this kind of world, then yeah, I would say, as, as you said yourself, take back your authority, become self-responsible. And of course, uh, question, start questioning what you do or what you hear. But that's going to happen anyway. Again, it's part of being self-responsible. You start being more critical of the stuff that you listen to and what people are saying to you. Um, one of the, one of the um, funny side effects of my, of my um, journey is that I can't watch television anymore. It's, it's impossible for me to watch TV because it's so damn annoying. You know, the ads are so loud and it's so, the, 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 the sales pitches are so shallow and, and feeble. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just like a big noise, a shouting in the corner all the time. So uh, it's like a, when, you, when you kind of find that sort of inner um, sense of peace and sort of uh, satisfaction with yourself, I think that all these kind of extraneous noises become quite unbearable. So um, I, I live quite a nice, peaceful existence now, I'm happy to say, kind of, uh, with uh, minimal media interference. <laughs> Actually, that's, that would be another thing that I would say it probably is to start cutting down your consumption of media, of newspapers, of TVs and uh, news websites and stuff like that, because really this stuff is, uh, is just full of shit, really. You know? It's uh, full of uh, hyper-sensationalist stories that are just there to try and elicit some kind of emotional response, make you angry, make you, excuse me, make you sad or make you uh, feel bad about yourself or insecure. So really drop any of the any of the sort of normal media channels i would say drop all them as soon as possible if you can yeah i totally agree with that i was i was chatting with my nephew this morning or yesterday and um he's a full of girls in the house and so uh they have a different perspective and it's fine yeah. <laughs> the boy perspective is a little bit different um yeah. but uh one of the things i was teaching him and this doesn't have to do with girls or boys but i was just trying to educate him however i can and i was like he's watching tv i was like that's fine i was like do you understand and he's like three and a half i was like do you understand the difference between a consumer and a creator he's like no as like anything that you're involved with, you can go play with Play-Doh, you can make art, you can, you mm. stared at ants for like an hour yesterday. Uh, mm. You know, as like, it's passive and active. I was like, you want to be yeah. active with your reality mm. as much as possible. And many people become passive. And then once you're yeah. passive though, you're in that. That's the hardest thing to break is that, um, mm. that cycle that you're in. So mm. you can do something so small, start to drive a different way to work. Just break yeah. your pattern, never go the same way. Um, you know, mm. drive down the street, then make a left and, and just start breaking up your patterns, five minutes, 10 minutes. And what that does is you have this like circuitry, right? You become a robot. 
And if you look at a factory line, that's literally what the robots are doing. And we mm. become mechanical. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. we want to switch it. We can switch our physiology first. And what you're sharing about the consumption of television and media, mm. the idea on the big scale is a zapper of attention. And that's mm. one of the things I'll share in the podcast sometimes. Is like, thank you yeah. so much for your intention. My intention mm. is that if you're with me, that it's going to be valuable, you know, it's going to help in some way. It's going to be, you know, it's going to give you some sort of supportive energy, some sort of inspiring yeah. energy for you to go and create your reality to empower you because the intention yeah. and the attention of something is so important. And if you look yeah. out there, most the intention of the magazines and uh, different things, they're, they're not really great in their, their, yeah it's not fulfilling. You know, I saw something on Instagram the other day say, you know, they call them stars because we're supposed to look at them for direction. What do movie stars do? Uh -huh. Nothing. Uh -huh. Make movies. Now, some of them do cool stuff. Some of them are great and nothing wrong yeah. with a movie star. That's fine. But what, who are we looking up to and why are we looking up to them? Yeah. I'm an athlete. Course, I love yeah. athletes, but why am I looking up to an athlete? Because they're really good at a game. Like that's really cool. And I'm really great. That, that you've mastered something that I can respect that I can respect that you've mastered something. And, but where are the yeah. real stars? Where are the people that, you know, the, the mother mm -hmm. Teresa's or, or the scientists or the people working and building something and they're, where are the people in the community that have, you know, gone to the soup kitchen yeah. every week for the last 10 years, you know, those yeah. are people yeah, that, that we yeah. want to yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. putting up and educating and say, this is, you know, this is a human we should look up to because that's going to create yeah, yeah, of course. fulfillment. Yeah, I know. And, uh, we have a lot of things in reverse, of course, as well, uh, as to who we actually revere and, and uh, idolize, I suppose. Uh, I had a conversation with someone a while ago where we were saying, uh, uh, what was it now, something about, um, we were talking about somebody who was cleaning the streets. Uh, I can't remember exactly the conversation, but something along the lines of this girl was, uh, was cleaning the streets and... Uh, she was um oh, she was doing it because she was unemployed that the government had a, a scheme of uh, basically employing or getting unemployed people to actually to do work in the community and uh, I remember seeing this girl um walking back from work one day and she was kind of like dragging a very a, a, a piteous sight dragging her her dustbin and brush along the ground behind her you know looking very dejected and and uh, very um, sad. And I, I remember thinking, I mentioned it to somebody that um, isn't, it, isn't it so backwards that the, here's a girl who's basically kind of outcast from society because she doesn't have a job and she's feeling so bad about cleaning the streets, but actually what she's doing there in cleaning the streets is actually a million times more important than what somebody who's really ultra famous or a millionaire is probably doing. You know, that she's actually shoveling shit for people and cleaning up things and this is a really really important thing to do you know that these we have it we, we we don't value these things at all people who who clean the sewer pipes or who clean up the, the who clean the, the roads and all this sort of stuff these are really important jobs and these people really should be you know really really respected for those for those kind of things and then the people that we really respect and look up to on our TVs are people who are generally doing nothing pretty much, you know, they're celebrities just for the sake of being celebrities. So really we have that, yeah, we have that whole icon thing back to front. But again, it's, it comes down to how we're, how we're programmed. You know, if the TV shows us a picture of a pretty girl and say, okay, this girl is, uh, she's really cool, you know, you like her, okay, okay, right. And so 
okay, yeah, we like her, and uh, yeah, she's great, and she's famous for whatever reason, singing or acting or whatever. It's it's like I don't know. It's just you just have you heard of the mere exposure effect? It's basically that the more you actually just expose people to an idea or um, or an image, then the more they actually that just becomes part of their normal consciousness, and the more they they actually uh, um, accept that as as something important, you know, which is might not be important at all. So you have like celebrities who are famous just only for being famous because they're on the TV and they haven't done anything. So um, yes, I mean it's. I, I always say that the, the fact that we're just so easily persuaded and so malleable is actually a good thing. We just need to turn it to the good rather than the bad, you know. So uh, I would love to see a day where people who clean shit on the streets are really, really held in high esteem in the communities as they should be, you know, because these people are really important, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the core of it is admiration for contribution. You, what is the person yeah. doing? You know, because you could have a millionaire or an actor doing really great thing when they when they go out and they're they're they they love their craft and they're really great to everyone they're around and they're contributing in their own way and they're expressing themselves to the maximum amount. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that sometimes with even music, if you look at music and you know now they're you can build up a musician and you listen to the lyrics and they're made, they're fabricated, kind of like a like a doll, like a Ken doll, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the, and then they give a push button and they just say nothing. But then you've got these brilliant musicians that are out there that are that that are i don't know they've mastered poetry in their craft and it's really hard to hear yeah. them and so if we can just you know as a society uh be aware of of who we're admiring and the mm-hmm. word that you use is so important is programming they li- mm-hmm. do a hypnosis script which i'm aware of and i look at the radio and things like that i i can read the scripts even in ads it's I was like oh yeah it's, i can read the script so be very aware of yeah. uh, what you're taking in in buddhism they'll refer to it as mental nutriments and so mm-hmm. if you just see the same image over and over and over it's gonna get yeah. in there so just be really mindful just go stare at a tree instead you know go just <laughs> sit and be bored by a tree yeah. and you're gonna yeah. connect more with yourself uh mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. than than going home and you're tuning out or you're tuning into another agenda and it feels yeah. good because you know we're kind of conditioned for this little bit of a this chemical response in a body, and it's really hard to snap out of it. And nature is mm. the best way. Just go for a walk. Just do anything mm. to snap out, and then you're going to connect more with yourself. Because, like you said, the small things. That person cleaning the street. I went for a walk the other day, and I picked up some trash on the way to this walk in Vancouver, um, mm. and I put it in the trash. And then when I got down to the bottom of the stairs, there's this woman and her daughter walking. She had a whole bag. She's like, I always walk with a whole bag and I fill it up. I was like, you are friggin' awesome. I love you. Thank you. And so it's simple things like that where people in the community are taking care. And that goes a long way. So if you get to know your neighbors, if you bring them some cookies, if you just say hello, you know, you're getting to know the people around you. It doesn't have to be this massive planetary thing, although that would be great. You can be the example wherever you are. And that starts from filtering out your own stuff. And then you're just showing your community that you're awake and that you're aware and that you're here and that you're in it with them too. And it's so simple and it and it provides such a great example because I think that some people will get overwhelmed. Like it's too big. I feel that way sometimes. It's too big. It's too horrible. You know, how am I supposed to pay for my bills? Oh my God, this problem is like, okay, cool. What I can do is I can get centered. I can be 
a good example for my community and that's that's all i can do and i'll feel better that way so that's yeah. that's my rant yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely but yeah, definitely um, to try and steer away from the media the programming that sort of stuff and i don't think the, I, I don't really ascribe to the idea that the media intentionally try to manipulate people i don't think that's very oversimplification i think the the system really kind of necessitates that the media try to uh, make as much money as possible you know to pay all the salaries of the people who work in the media you know so obviously if you're if you're running one of these business media corporations of course it's going to be in your in your interest to try and have them like say the most shocking stories or the most uh, most um uh, inspiring stories or the most um the, the thing that are going to get the strongest reaction basically and whatever that is you know because the bottom line you know you need to have more viewers you need to keep your your advertising clients happy you know and so it's everything is is just a big cycle and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse because the more more money you need to create the more you need to find sort of stories that are going to shock people more because at the end of the day it's um because we're sort of programmed to kind of to fear danger more so than to than to uh, appreciate uh, gain. Uh, that's sort of a, a psychologically been proven. That basically, the, these immediate companies they more or less they tap into that. That we're more hardwired to react to fear and uh, something negative rather than something positive. So that means that basically you get more people interested, more people listening and watching. You got more users. You can charge more advertising dollars and that sort of stuff. So uh, it's a bit of a vicious cycle. So unfortunately, as long as we're still in that sort of profit game, it's always going to be like that. That it's going to be, we're going to prioritize the profit above all else. It's got, it's it's just uh, human nature to do that. That uh, as long as we reduce everything to a simple basic bottom line, then we're we're going to be cutting corners. We're going to be doing things that are not necessarily beneficial for for all you know so yeah i think that's yeah. rule number eight our principle number eight yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 exactly we just need to um prioritize the good stuff and um i don't know just start um i, I think as you say i think it's the, probably the most important thing i'm taking away from this is to, to become self-responsible to 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 become your own authority you know and uh that can be really hard. That can be really, really, really hard for people. It was, I have to say, it was hard for me. I was kind of, I was quite a little bit um, subdued by that, maybe for quite a large period of my life. And the school system didn't work for me personally. I was, I was, I, I rejected the school system, so I kind of more or less failed in that regard. And um, I, um, I don't know, I, I ended up paying for that for quite a long time afterwards. You know, so uh, that's that was a, that was a bit of struggle for me personally. And I'm sure, like everyone has their own struggles, of course. But I think everyone has the um, has the has their own skeletons in the closet or whatever. And I think when you begin to start to take responsibility for your own life, then uh, yeah, you start to uh, look at things more critically. And uh, I think you you can improve things there. And uh, as I say, once you become more self-responsible and uh, more critical, I think you also learn to appreciate your place within the community and the world in general a lot more than before. So yeah, I think it's I think it really it's um it's a really exciting time to be alive. I think there's so many good things happening. I think it's really good. Um, the fact that we're all talking about this means that we all know that this change is this big thing is coming around the corner. Even the most uh, ardent skeptic, or whatever, if you say to them, oh, well, 
are we going to be living like this in 50 years time? Most of them won't, won't agree. They'll say, no, no, something is going to change. There's going to be a shift. So uh, we all know a big change is coming around the corner and uh, we just have to keep um, pushing the, the buttons to keep it. So that's the good change, not the bad one. <laughs> yes, brother. A hundred percent agree, man. Well, it's, yeah. it's been, it's been a privilege, man. I, I really enjoyed yeah. the charter. Anybody who comes up with that and, and even takes time to think about it for a period of time, you've earned my respect and, and <laughs> having, you know, I would recommend people just go and look at the charter and see how they yeah. can apply it to their lives. Because, you yeah. know, I get in this thing of like, you know, when I look at the world and say, I go down the rabbit hole of food or money or war or whatever, I'm like, Oh my goodness, it can get really dark. And if I want to affect change, it, you know, probably not me alone is going to affect the whole entire change. And what I can do is I can, I can live the principles that I've created for myself and show that example yeah. that I can do and I can honor. And that does make a difference. And ultimately my yeah. reality will change and I'll have yeah. other opportunities to play a bigger game, but I need to learn how to swim myself first. And so yeah, invite people to go check yeah. out the charter, sign yeah. up. Um, have a mm -hmm. peek, start thinking about different ways, have fun. Don't make it so serious. It is serious, but you can create mm -hmm. your, your own reality too. Yeah, you know, just pitch in, pitch in where you yeah, are. So what I wanted to ask you before you go, is there anything that yeah. you wanted to touch on, you want to share, or you want to leave the listeners with, and obviously where to get a hold of you and all that kind of stuff? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I, we, have, we have quite a lot, of, a lot of projects going on. As I mentioned before, we're kind of putting everything under one umbrella. Um, it's a company called Free World One, which is probably, if you wanted to kind of touch on any of these projects, it's probably a good uh, central starting point. Um, the idea is that the, we, as, as I mentioned, that we had to, we'd be able to create a revenue that's going to keep all these projects going because we have to do that to keep ourselves, to keep the, the, everything sustainable. So that's, um, that's, I always get to get people to ask people to check out the Free World One idea as well, um, and they can see it's, it's a good way of maybe understanding where we're coming from, from a money perspective. I think that's probably a good um, su summary of that idea because, because this company is basically trying, is really trying to bridge two worlds. You know, we have this idea, this ideological world that we all want to get to, but it's not necessarily that easy to get to. And then we have, of course, the money, the world, the money world that we live in now. So, um, which obviously isn't working for the majority of people. So we need to, we have to hybridize our efforts and what I'm trying to do with the Free World One uh, initiative is to basically bridge both these worlds. If you read down through that site, it'll, I think you'll probably figure out quite quickly why, why that has to be done that way and also why uh, it's better to actually move towards a money-free world. Um, I think it's kind of done quite well in that. But uh, if anyone can contact me through that site. There's a contact form there, or they can get me at, at um, contact at freeworld1.com. It's no problem. Um, yeah, I'd love to, to talk again, talk to anyone. I'm very happy to uh, help anyone to spread these ideas, keep spreading the good stuff. You know, that's what we're here for. And um, that's what you're here for, I can see. And uh, um, yeah, I think it's, it's good to just keep spreading the good stuff. And uh, anyone wants to talk to me, just get, get, get in touch with me through that. That'd be great. Amazing, brother. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the effort you've, you've put in to get as far as you have. And uh, just wishing you more uh, success and amplification of that message. And I'm glad wow. you're an ambassador out there. Yeah, sharing the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thanks very much, Matt. That's fantastic. It's really nice to talk to you, man. We'll talk again in a, in a few months, yeah? And let's, let's do a catch-up, yeah?
we'll stay connected. Yeah, brother. Okay, thanks Wonderful. for coming. Thanks. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you, brother. All right, guys, that wraps up this amazing episode with Colin Turner. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you guys wrote down or times, you know, just took a screenshot or did something to get the time code for those aha moments. Share them with me on social media. Share them on your Facebook so I can make little clips and I can put them on YouTube and, and link them to the full episode. And, and when you share, you're teaching other people. You're keeping that energy going. So make sure you share what you know and you share your aha moments because someone else is going to discover the same thing and maybe you're going to be able to offer them some insight. Um, for those of you guys who want some coaching and you really want to level up, um, like I said, I kind of have three types. Is like somebody who's really ready to make a transition in their life and level up and they're committed to it. Uh, you know, CEOs and, and high level entrepreneurs and business people who want to learn how to level up, but also, you know, learn that side of like surrender, flow state, peace and ease and obviously athletes. So if you are interested in that and you are serious about it and you want some help, um, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and sign up for the email list and all that kind of fun, funky stuff. Um, if you want to support me on Patreon, that is awesome. If you want to leave a review, that is awesome. Um, all of those things help support the show and I appreciate you. Um, Purium, use bit.ly forward slash activate health and get a $50 gift card with the code activate health. I appreciate them. Amazing stuff over there, including CBD. I think everybody should be taking CBD as far as what my research has shown. And they have other incredible products and cleansing, energy, sleep, uh, the gut health, just everything. It's it's amazing. It's you know non-GMO. It's, it's just the business. So check them out. Um, check out my YouTube channel. I just upload a bunch of stuff over there. Um, and it's it's... You know, the multidimensional experience with Thoth is the most unbelievable thing that's ever happened to me. So I go into that in detail. And I think that is it. I appreciate you. I'm just sending you all my love, my support, my energy, my enthusiasm. Um, wishing you the best and peace and ease and flow and remembering that you are good enough. Your whole balanced, complete, perfect, harmonious, wonderful being. Sending you magical love through the airwaves wherever you are hearing, hearing this. So before we uh, close it out, let's just come into a powerful state of peace and presence before we go. So just taking a deep breath in through your nose setting the intention to come to a deep state of inner peace and calm and just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day taking another deep breath in through your nose and imagine powerful universal light coming down from the universe pulsing through your body and energy from the earth coming up coming into the center of your heart mixing both of these energies supporting loving energy helping you deepen the state of peace that you are feeling now. Just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking another deep breath in through your nose, really doubling down that feeling of peace and calm and just send that energy out to everyone you've ever met. Sending this energy out to your friends, your families, your loved ones, your communities, your cities, your countries. See it spread all over the planet, just peace and ease and love and harmony. And I'm sending you that energy now, all of my support, love, uh, energy, encouragement, enthusiasm, in hopes you remember that you're amazing, you're loved, that you can do whatever you put your mind to, as cheesy as that sounds, um, and you can be peaceful and you can be harmonious on the journey. So sending you tons and tons of love and appreciation. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. 
and I will see you in the next one.